Welcome back to Drilled. I'm Amy Westervelt. I know we're in the middle of a new season on the criminalization of protest, but I'm bringing you an update today on an earlier season, Light Sweet Crude, our season about the creation and expansion of a new oil and gas industry in Guyana. When we were working on that season, it was very hard to get any information at all about what was being called the Gas to Energy Project. This was a plan to pump excess gas from the oil drilling offshore, onshore to a facility, and then use it either for export or for fuel in Guyana. A new report has come out from the Institute for Energy and Economic Analysis, IEFA, and Tom Sanzillo, the author of that report, spoke to me about what he has found about this project. In a nutshell, seems to be a way for Exxon to turn what was a problem for them, excess gas that they couldn't flare without being fined, into a new revenue stream. Gas that is technically free for Guyana, but that they're spending an awful lot of money paying Exxon to get to shore. We'll be back with more details on that after this quick break. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravensburger Puzzles. I don't think I've ever been so excited about an advertiser in my life because, yes, I am a giant puzzle nerd. And Ravensburger makes the best puzzles, as anyone who loves puzzles will tell you. I live in a place where we actually get pretty frequent power outages. (laughs) And, And when we do, I like to break out a puzzle. It's also a fun way to keep my kids off of their screens and do something sort of calm and meditative together. It's very satisfying when you snap that last piece into place. If you are looking for a calm and mindful exercise, I highly recommend checking out Ravensburger. Regardless of your preferences or skill level, you'll find a jigsaw puzzle that suits you perfectly thanks to the wide range of imagery, themes, and piece counts available. You can start small with a a pretty straightforward puzzle and work your way up to over 40,000 pieces. Are you up for the challenge? Shop Ravensburger on Amazon today. This holiday season, get a gift for yourself too, and keep it simple. I gave myself the gift of a better, more convenient laundry experience. I know, I know, laundry doesn't sound like a gift, but honestly, EarthBreeze just makes it so much easier. Think about how you actually do laundry. You have to work out how much detergent to pour, lift that big plastic jug, hope the goo doesn't get everywhere. It's annoying. But EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look like nothing I've ever seen in the detergent aisle. It's almost, it's like a dryer sheet kind of, but it's the detergent and you throw it in and then that's it. There's no measuring, no nothing. It works in hot and cold. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, and free of bleach and dyes. 
and it fights everyday stains and odors. You get a powerful clean, but you don't have to deal with all that packaging. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%, 40, 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled. That's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com slash drilled. Does it make sense to you that the same company that controls half of online retail also passively eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? How about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between these guys and your online activity. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Every site you visit, video you watch, message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you use ExpressVPN on your devices, the software hides your IP address. That's something that big tech uses to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. This has become sadly very important in my line of work. It's also why ExpressVPN is rated number one by CNET, Wired, TechRadar, and a lot of other sites. What I like most about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. You download the app, it's very easy to install, you tap a button, and then you're protected. I like hardly even think about it anymore, and it's just working away in the background on all my devices. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash drilled. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash drilled to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash drilled right now to learn more. Okay. Tell me what you looked into here. So what we did is we took a look at the gas to energy project that's being proposed in uh, in Guyana. And a couple things came out of the study. Maybe, maybe the most important one was that the need for the project is really questionable. It's kind of a risky bet. And that's because the grid system in Guyana really doesn't need something of this size. It's 300 megawatt proposal. Mm-hmm. As we reviewed the documentation and all, what we came up with was if they build this, given the current capacity that they have and some other new things that they're planning to do in addition, that they would wind up, the best way to talk about oversupply is that 
the reserve margin would be enormous. And the reserve margin is effectively what every utility has. If you need 100 megawatts, you're going to build 115 because that's basically how the systems work professionally. It's a professional standard. If they build in either scenario, we have a low and a high case scenario, the reserve margin will be 58% to 196% for the low load, which is if there's a sort of a slower economy. And then the high load, it would uh, be 24 to 132% reserve. So Mm -hmm. no matter how you look at it, it's significantly oversupplied. That's unfortunate that they look to build a gas project or anything. But that wasn't the only thing that we found in that. They historically get this wrong, the uh, estimation for electricity. And there, we basically looked at their past practice, and they were consistently overestimating the amount of electricity they were going to use. And that's pretty significant. So for like a 10-year period, we looked, they sort of miss it every year. And this is this is the government of Guyana, or this is... Guyana Power and Light. I'm sorry. Okay. That's Guyana Power and Light. Okay, okay. That's the utility. And then the other problem that we, that we uncovered is that when they made the announcement, they were working with one assumption. They then revised the analysis and then very shortly after that, and they revised it by a significant amount downward. So the stuff that we're looking at, which is already, you know, an over assumption, they had it much higher. That justified the gas plant. Then they reduced it afterwards and they didn't reduce the any sense of that they still needed a 300 megawatt plant. It's kind of like, it's a very awkwardly done resource plant. And they don't have a kind of resource planning like we have in the U.S. that you might be familiar with. The other problem they have there, and I'm going into some length on this because I know they'll say I don't know what I'm talking about. There's a, they, they have about 100 megawatts actually off the system of, of uh, entities, mostly industrial and commercial, mm-hmm. that are supplying their own energy right now because the system is so unreliable. They think that's coming back on when they put up this new plant, but it probably won't because they're not planning for any new system upgrades. Right. That's what I was going to ask you about is like, you know, is there any kind of transmission and distribution? No, the problem is, is that they don't have a planning process that gives you that comprehensive sense, but we went into it and don't Mm -hmm. see any numbers or any, you know, uh, thought of that. They are consistently working to improve their uh, reliability but it's like in the U.S., averages 440 minutes a year of outages. In Guyana, it's 5,100 minutes. So you get a sense of just how unreliable. And it's a, it's a major item in the newspapers there all the time and a major item in people's daily existence. So they have a long way to go on that. And it's unlikely that the businesses are going to come back in simply because they buy a gas plant that they don't particularly need. It doesn't improve the system delivery. Right. So those, are, right. those are the kinds of things we're looking at in terms of necessity. Can then I ask we, you like, if, if, sure. if this has any impact on, because I know one of the big promises that the government and Exxon has made is that like 
this project is going to make electricity cheaper for people in Guyana? Well, the only way it's going to do that, I was going to get to that next, is that it is essentially a system that's unaffordable and not necessarily to the rate payer, but to the taxpayer. What they've decided to do is there's no rate information in any of this, incidentally, and we're going to be calling for the commission to do their job. But the the plan is that they're going to provide a 50% subsidy for rates after this is done. And that'll be obviously an annual disbursement from the Guyanese government to GPL to offset the rate. That'll be out of profit oil, future profit oil, essentially. I'm going to get to a chart in a minute, which explains this. And so the affordability issue may be minimal to the rate payer, but it's going to be a significant burden on the budget um, every year. So you know, you have an issue there as to as to whether or not it's affordable for the taxpayer. Um, the the other thing that, as I said to you, the system remains unreliable. And then what they're proposing in terms of money being spent in the grid system is when you build a gas plant, particularly when you're going to borrow to build a gas plant, mm-hmm. you are, you, you're going to be, first of all, using foreign labor for the most part because you're going to have all of these professional engineers and construction coming in. The money is going to come from Exxon lending as well as uh, XM Bank. And so you're going to have a lot of the money in paying debt off. That's not going to stay in, in Guyana. And then there may be, and uh, we'll get into that in a minute, there may be that the government has to pay for the gas. That's a contended matter right now. And if they do, then the fuel cost, of course, gets paid to Exxon, which is not money in Guyana. When you do solar, you're going to be employing, because what we're proposing is a solar investment of significant nature. When you do solar, you're going to be hiring local people. They're going to be building things in the neighborhoods, in the communities, in the towns and villages, in the rural areas. And people will see that construction, you know, going on and it will be an economic benefit to each family who gets the panels and we're trying to cover everybody. And then that will lower utility costs, which allows them, of course, some extra money in their pocket. So you have here a series of direct benefits to uh, uh, the Guyanese people. And, and frankly, the Guyanese people haven't seen much benefit at all from this oil money yet. They see some construction projects and all. But as for specific benefits, there really haven't been any like this. You know, Alaska, for instance, gives out cash to every citizen in Alaska because of their oil surpluses. Here they're doing, you know, they're doing more generalized so-called benefits. So those economic issues are also very important. So we summarize it as being unnecessary, unaffordable, unreliable, and uneconomic. And and so we propose a solar plan, which would be probably cheaper. We're looking to give, for the first part of this, 100% of the residents in Guyana with solar panels. We think that can be done probably by 2040. We find it to be probably around the same cost, but probably cheaper. Obviously, it's a more predictable energy supply. If you do it with batteries, which we're building into the system, you can probably have 24-7 service. Again, direct benefits with low electricity bills and greater likelihood of employment 
and greater likelihood of activity in you know local stores and what have you when you do the when you do a solar investment. I wanted to ask you one thing about the the press release before we get into the chart, which is this this line that says Exxon Mobil would profit the most from the gas to energy well, project. Well, yeah, and that's what I want to <laughs> yeah. talk to you about. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what you see in the left hand side of the chart mm-hmm. is financial lender Exxon will be one of the lenders mm-hmm. and they will be lending the money to Guyana I believe for the pipeline although this is unspecified but Exxon has acknowledged that this they will be making an investment and it will have to be paid back that's about the sum of it that I mm. can see then they are going to build the pipeline second source of profit for them mm-hmm. then what we have here is two other things that aren't necessarily on the chart, but I want to give you the idea. There is a contention. Jack Deo, the vice president, has said that the gas is free and that they will not be charged for it. Right. And so, and if you read the contract, and we go into some length in the in the report on this, if you read the contract, there's a specific way in which Guyana would get free gas. And no matter how we look at it, that would be a very limited amount, if any. And what Exxon is saying is that they are going to be winding up selling the gas to Guyana, and they will also be producing surplus gas. And I don't know how that's going to be settled because there's no no public plan put out, no contracts put out. So there's a disagreement. You know, Guyana seems to be saying it's free, and Exxon says, no, 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 we're selling it to Guyana. So. Whereas if you assume that they pay for the gas, then you're going to have and that dotted line that says debt bailout, you should probably put in there, and I'm thinking of doing this when I release the report, debt bailout and potential gas sale. Each of them are likely, but they're not certain, and we're trying to do the separate those things through that you when you settle when you look at risk, you sort of look at the levels of it, right? So this looks like Exxon would benefit if there was a gas sale. That would be three forms of profit. The fourth form of profit, they currently are in court still on the permit case on the flaring. And the essence of that case is uh, Exxon had permit requirements to do zero flaring. They failed to meet that. They've been fined already, but we have it in court. And what this does is it gets rid of that problem for Exxon because there's not going to be flaring anymore. They're flaring because they're burning excess gas. If they're going to be moving the gas into Guyana, then the flaring problem is no longer an issue and there's no longer any costs associated with attempts to comply with that permit term. And so they they benefit that way. So we see at least four ter- forms of profit for Exxon. And we're not seeing a whole lot of gain, uh, obviously, for the taxpayers, ratepayers, right. because what will happen is they're going to have to pay it back. And the way the government has said they want to pay it back is with power subsidies. Now, that would be, and that's the line that goes from the Guyanese government up to over by the rate pays. That's a subsidy that would be annually, and we don't know. They say 50%. That that potential subsidy, and then the Utility Commission has warned GPL, Guyana Power and Light, that they're borrowing too much. We agree. 
And the likelihood that when they start adding on the debt that we're thinking about for this particular project, you're looking at a very serious financial situation. And the likelihood, again, it's a risk matter. There is a likelihood of a need for a debt bailout of some kind, in which case that would benefit Exxon again because they would get paid immediately and in advance for the money that they've lent to the project. So we're, we're, we're looking at that and saying, well, there's sort of another way they, they get it coming and going. But the government is going to have a problem having to stand behind this deal Because if you overbuild on your power, then you're unlikely to use the facility at 100% or 95% capacity because you're going to have other things, other um, assets that you're going to be using. So as we look at it, we say, well, how are they going to, you know, how's this going to work? And the answer is, you know, they may wind up with a stranded asset where they're not able to really use it beyond the 60%, 65% capacity. Mm -hmm. So. And so we're saying to ourselves, well, you know, that's another problem for that's, you know, power subsidy, because that, that'll be more, that'll make it more expensive if they run it less. Right. So you have a real setup here for a high risk venture that is likely to, you know, be a problem. And what happens then is a lot of the oil profits then have to go back into something that they don't need in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take the oil profits and the, the Guinese government and you invest that and you provide solar panels to families, mm-hmm. you have a direct benefit. You don't have the borrowing. You know, you have a local economic activity. You have lower costs over time. You don't have to worry about GPL turning the lights on and off. You know, mm-hmm. you have a, definitely a better improvement here that's more efficient and and stable financially for Guyana. It's money that they can invest in Guyana and it stays in Guyana. So instead of the $2 billion or whatever it is, that's another thing that's a problem that we point out in the report. There's really no clear estimate of what this is going to cost. Some are saying $2 billion and right. Know, I know that the Kiana, our reporter in Guyana, was saying that like they've been asking over and over for some kind of transparency around the cost of this project, and it's just not not coming. It's not coming. It's not. <laughs> There's a lot of things in uh, here that lack transparency. I mean, that's our you know mm-hmm. an ongoing problem. So what we were able to do here, I think, and if you look at it from that angle, is we we kind of piece together. Uh, a really poor disclosure system on the utility system, and an even worse disclosure system on the capital part of the the pipeline. And then uh, that weak disclosure of the utility makes it very hard to do a solar power analysis, although we did our best with some high-level numbers. And we are starting to see other places invest heavily in solar. And so we have a little feel for what a system of this size would actually cost. And, you know, we, we're just seeing it in a, in a very sort of different light. And we think that if they also, if they do this gas project the way they're talking about, given what they have, they don't need the solar then. And so it's going to be unlikely that people are going to be, you know, using it in any great numbers. So, you know, particularly you're going to have a subsidy in there, so the rates will be, you know, might be reasonable to the households, but the government in the meantime will have a lot of problems. 
So that's really kind of what we're looking at. And we see, as I said, you know, we don't see a whole lot of benefit for the public, but we do see very clear articulated benefits for Exxon. And this mm-hmm. seems to be a, a recurring theme. Yeah. I would imagine that that the renewables thing would, would also have a like a workforce training component too, right? That there would be some kind of local training and jobs and all that stuff as well. Where we where I've seen them try to do these mass renewable stuff, renewable projects, that is what happens. Mm-hmm. I live in upstate New York, and a number of years ago, the state government put in place a a program for solar installations and energy efficiency for houses. And the local contractors, many of them, took a risk in doing it. And one of the things they did was they put together a little group schools and that training center was was put together by the merchants by the contractors so i think i'm pretty confident that if you did that in guyana you would have some form of training that would go on um and you know and all the work is done locally if you're looking at a you know if this is a 10 or 15 year undertaking if you do that you might even get some kind of production if not in guyana at least you know, in closer proximity than than the U.S. mainland or China. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, the parts and what have you are all serviceable locally. Um, So you have a real, you have a local economic benefit here that just does not compare with what happens when you put in a gas plant. Wasn't one of the things that Jack Dio promised about this partnership with Exxon was that basically the oil money was going to fund climate adaptation. Yeah, you know, in terms of the oil profits, there's no observable, uh, publicly available capital plan that is uh, laying out how they're going to do this. It looks to me like they have it, the money there, highly liquid, as in it's just sitting in an account. And, it, and it's like in the billions now, which is another question that you and I someday should talk about. And then they're able to use that in any given budget year for whatever amount of money they want to pull out of it, you know. And and they've been doing that, you know, since 2019. So you don't have mm-hmm. a plan as to how the money's going to be used. And so I don't see any evidence of, of adaptation plans. You know, we see roads. I guess you could argue that it'll be faster to get off of Guyana if there's mm-hmm. uh, climate events. And uh, it's, not, it's not an articulated use of the money. It seems to be more of a budget matter. And it's used as oil revenue for the annual budget. And it's, and it's enhancing those expenditures pretty handsomely in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is there any concern that, I mean, I know what we've seen in other places in the world when there is excess gas that's not being used for energy, that the next step is building petrochemical facilities. <laughs> so well, yeah. Yeah. is there a sense that that might happen here? Well, you know, you hear little things as to what, you know, what might be next in terms of new building. It's tossed around that there's going to be opportunities for additional industrial activity, and nothing's been articulated yet. But that seems to be a very, you know, logical possibility. The the pet chem markets, I guess if they started now, 
and they're going to build six or seven years from now, there's a potential that there would be some market. Right now, all the markets in the, the single-use plastics are over oversupplied, and that's going to be likely till pretty much 2029. And then the hope, you know, hopefully we have some broader intervention into the economy so that it's more sternly regulated and that natural gas is not the only go-to for the petrochemical business. You might, you know, there's a lot of emphasis in Europe, for instance, on moving fossil fuels out of petrochemicals and looking to uh, replace it with uh, biofuels and other kinds of recyclables and what have you. There should mm-hmm. be some ability to curb the demand for gas, you know, in six or seven years. And so you may not have the kind of demand model that we're currently using. And so that's a very, very risky proposition to think that this gas will be deployed. And it will be significant. I think maybe we're saying 50 to 60 percent of the gas would be used by this plant at maximum, and that's probably not going to be at maximum. And then the rest mm-hmm. of the gas, they have to figure out what to do with it. Now, currently, I guess it could be sold into the market. The way I read it, the current contract might actually be applying, in which case, you know, Guyana once again gets shortchanged. But if there's going to be a new contract for the sale of that gas, that'll be another, you know, potential revenue stream for Guyana. Which again, you know, why forego? If you're going to do this, and I don't advocate it, they'd be better off if they're going to sell gas to sell it all and use the profits for a longer term, more stable component to their economy, which is solar. I don't think anybody would disagree with that if you're looking at building the economics for the future. It sounds like this project is more about Exxon dealing with a gas problem than Guyana looking for a way to, to fix its, its electricity problem. Is that like a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. I think in terms of what the choices are, the choices for the electricity system, I mean, they're claiming there's going to be a massive increase in the amount of electricity used in Guyana, and we just can't see that. We're not seeing any particular need for this. And I mean, so that's kind of how we're just looking at the whole thing. Are they basing that on like the idea that, you know, business is booming in Guyana and, you know. Yeah, they're basing it on a GDP formula, which uh, I don't think they have that right either. But, and they're saying that because of course the GDP is expanding, you know, with the gas, but they're claiming that there's going to be a commensurate you know, increase in the in the electricity usage, and there may be, and we've accounted for our our view is that it's going to be somewhere between their low um, uh, model and the high model, and it's not going to be as high as they say. So you're going to have some increase in demand. And we're looking at about a oh, I don't know, 5 to 6% increase in demand. They're looking at a 14 or 15% increase. And, you know, the consultants even told them that it's 3 to 5%, you know, going forward, even with everything. So, you know, I could, you know, if it really took off, I'm still not sure that they would need a gas plant, but I guess they could then shut down a lot of their current capacity, which, of course, would be just lost 
assets there in order to make this thing a go. So the planning is poor and, and the transparency is zero. And so whereas normally you would have hearings and what have you, you don't have any of that. It's not mandated by law.